VW North Scottsdale employees on their new general manager, Larry. Well, I won't say he's crazy, but yes, yes, I would. Until September 30th, 2018, lease a new 2018 Jetta S Automatic for $199 a month plus tax. We all chipped in and got him a cuckoo clock for his birthday. He didn't get the hint. VW North Scottsdale, your dog-friendly dealership. Get a leash on life. Scottsdale Road and the 101 and com. $999 down plus fees, 36 months, 10,000 miles per year and above average credit. Not everyone will qualify. An extra charge may be added at the end of the lease. See dealer for details. Before we get started on this episode, I want to take a minute to explain something about the sound quality. We tried to record a new way, and it didn't quite work out the way it was planned or tested. Uh, In short, the sound quality isn't that great. However, Walter's story is a good example of a short, sweet, coming-out story, and it deserves to be a part of our gallery. I want to apologize to you, the listener, and to Walter for the technical failure on my part. With that said, please enjoy Walter's Southern Comfort. Welcome to the outhouse. Did you always realize you were gay? No, I just said I had great taste. When did you actually come out? How are you not a mess? (laughs) Well, I got better. Did you ever yell at your penis? It's already going bad. Stephen, did you listen to that episode? I didn't listen to (laughs) time. This is really getting rusty. Right. Did you have an exam? No. no. I'm sure I'll be going today. And this is the outcome. <laughs> I don't know what you're going to ask me. I'm excited. The nature of our podcast deals with sexuality in some uncomfortable situations. We think this makes the stories authentic, personal, and relatable. With that said, thank you and enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Outhouse. I'm your host, Matt, and with me co-hosting today is TC. How are you doing, TC? I'm good, Matt. Thanks. And our guest today is Walter. Say hi, Walter. Hi. And uh, for the listener, we're doing this over uh, over the phone, so uh, let's just get past the noise and the different sound and get into a good out story. Welcome, Walter. Thank you so much for being on the show. Um, how do we know each other? Well, you're married to TC, who happened to be a, a person when I taught school in Lake County in Tennessee, Tiptonville, Tennessee. Long time ago. Yeah, yeah it was um, in the 70s. Yeah. Um, Probably mid seventies, right? Mm-hmm. Seventy four, seventy six. So I was trying to remember. Did, did, so Walter, you you taught school? Uh, did you do special ed? I did. I taught special. Okay. Ed. Was Stacy in that class? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> but you knew TC as a kid. Well, I'm mean, a young man, yeah. A young man. Yeah. All right, so you know TC, and uh, you've agreed to come on to, this, uh, to the podcast and, and share the out story. And you've had a couple of days to think about it. Have you Have you kind of molded over a couple of times? Well, I really haven't. I have to. <laughs> So, so I have a question. I have a, I have a question, Walter. Since, um, since since I first knew you back in the seventies, you actually were active in our church, and you mm-hmm. were our youth leader, and mm-hmm. you were engaged to get married at the time, right? That's right. Yeah. So, had you had experiences with men prior to getting engaged? Oh yeah. Um, I mean, you know, I I had a boyfriend when I was fifteen or sixteen. Went on, of course, both of us didn't call it being, you know, boyfriends. I mean, you know, we didn't even consider ourselves gay back then, but it was was a sexual relationship. We both double dated with girls to go out. And then when I went off 
to college, I think I, I realized that, that I was gay, you know, and accepted it myself. And, and was, there, was there a moment, was there a moment when you actually did realize that you were gay? I mean, was there something like some incident that happened or? No, no. It was just, you know, doing it with guys was more than, than just doing it with guys. It was, you know, literally. I can I accepted it within myself that I was attracted to men and that was going to be my lifestyle. You know, there was a okay, lot of what? internal, you know, feelings as far as, you know, that I realized that I wasn't going to have kids, you know, and that kind of was a sad moment. You know, throughout that self-revelation, I was just really scared that I was going to lose the relationship with my family, my parents. Um, so I thought a whole lot about that. You know, just back, back then, didn't have a whole lot of role models on television to, to realize that it was going to be okay, you know, and that, that relationships with men were just as oh, satisfying, involved, you know, as as with a, uh, between a man and a woman. Had you been with, with women? Um, no. <laughs> no. When would be the first time, if ever, that you were with a lady? No, I wasn't ever with a woman. I'm, oh. I'm a, on, on Kinsey's scale, I'm I'm at the, the top end, 100% men. So, T.C., you said the Walter was engaged? Yes. I was, yeah, and and you know, unlike now, you know, it's okay to do it. Back then, I just believed that I had to wait till I was married before I could have a physical relationship with a woman. So we didn't have physical relationship at that time. Okay, how did that? How did that not happen? How did the the engagement not happen? Oh, oh. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, I, it's not funny, but she. Accused me one time of, because she knew, she knew that I was gay before him. And, you know, she accused me of, of having a relationship with a man. I said, I'm not going to put up with that. You know, if I'm going to have to live with that, then, you know, we're not going to get married. We're not, we're not going this direction. And I broke it off. <laughs> but she was and right. then immediately, <laughs> you know, very soon afterwards, um, started having relationships with him again. How old, How old was I? Yes. Probably, I mean, probably, I was probably 23, 24 when that was going on. It was after I graduated from college and was teaching. I started teaching in 1976. So Lake County was your first teaching job? It was my only teaching job, yes. <laughs> Oh, okay. So you broke off the engagement, and that's when you were really in your first full-blown gay relationship? No, no. No, it sounds like when you were 15, you had a full sexual relationship, but PC, right. like emotional? Um, well, we just didn't call ourselves boyfriends, you know, although I think we did because we did everything together. And then when I was in college, I had a short-term relationship, and then actually when I... Um, I want to say it was about the time I moved to Tiptonville, I was in a relationship uh, for about four years. And then the engagement, after the engagement, I had a couple of four-year relationships. I don't know what, what it had to do with four years, but that's kind of what the length of my relationships were. <laughs> Until I met Dom. Right. So can we go back a sec to like when you're 15 to 17, that, that relationship there. How did you keep that under wraps from your family? I'm assuming you kept it under wraps. We did. Um, we did, you know, I don't know. 
I guess we did a lot of camping out, <laughs> literally <laughs> camping out, out outdoors. <laughs> um, you know, we carry on the relationship that way. When, about when did you, I mean, I, I assume that you did come out to your family. Yes, I did. And when I came out to my family was um, actually before my engagement. And um, I was home for a visit and the relationship that I, I had he called the house one night and my dad came because it was late in down in Florida and my dad came in the bedroom and says, Your girlfriend's online and when I answered the call it was John and I realized, you know, <laughs> that he was pretty much new. And so I took that opportunity to go ahead and, and talk to my mother about it. And I can remember we stayed up all night that night doing all the gory details about what we did, you know, what what it, what was my thoughts and my plan for the future. And then of course she also, you know, got into the not having kids and she wouldn't have grandkids and all that kind of good stuff. Um Do you have any siblings? Yes. Thank goodness. I've got a sister and a brother, and both of them have had kids, so they they were going to have grandkids, but didn't matter. So. Okay. Well, there's one checkbox that's okay. Right. Right. So you guys had this a long conversation, and how did that? How did you guys leave that? Well, pretty much after the conversation, I think I had a flight pretty soon back home, and I don't. I thought it went well, but you know, at the same time, I didn't didn't call or have any communication with him until I. Um, received a letter from my dad uh, that he had typed up because his handwriting wasn't real, real good. And, um, <laughs> seriously, but he had typed it up and told me that I'd be a son no matter what. And he wanted to know, wanted me to know that he loved me. And, um, then we started talking again. And it was really interesting because because after that, that letter and then we started talking again, my dad was always, I mean, I know he loved me, but he wasn't physical. You know, he didn't hug me or, or I didn't hug him. But then afterwards, you know, it became, you know, okay for us to be hugging, <laughs> you know, and I felt really good about that change in our relationship. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. After you came out to them, Walter, but then you got engaged. Yes, then I got engaged, and they didn't like Alice at all. <laughs> and did, I'm sure there were questions after the engagement that they had for you, or yeah, they did. You know, they wondered like, "What the hell? What happened? Yeah, what the hell? Why? <laughs> you know, why did you go through this? You know, we really don't like her. We never did like her." And <laughs> she, she was, I, well, you know, Tisa, you you knew Alice. I mean, she's still a little rough around the edges. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And pretty much, I mean, you know, she told them that she intended to marry me. She didn't care if they liked her or not. <laughs> um, Is she on a mission? Yeah, she was. If we can go back go ahead, one, one quick second. Do you still have that letter from your dad? No, I don't. <laughs> I wish oh. I had kept it. Well, it would have been cool. All right. I'm sorry, TC. Go ahead. No, I was just going to make a snide remark about when you first brought Alice home, did they think you brought home a drag queen? No. No. <laughs> no, they didn't think so. So during that period, um, like when you were in college, did you ever venture down to Memphis and experience any of the nightlife? Good question. Yeah, I did. I did that through college and you know all my adult life when I lived out in the hinterlands. Memphis was the, the place to come, but actually in college, there was um, a florist 
that had a house in, in another town outside of Martin. And, um, you know, he would have regular parties, and it was a place that all the rural uh, gay people would, would gravitate to, and they were fun parties. <laughs> how did you know yeah, other wow. gay people? Like, how did you guys connect? I, I did spend some time thinking about that. I have no idea. I think that I, I met, actually, he was a song leader in a church in Martin, and he was the one that told me about Jimmy's house and at what great parties, and Santa and I got invited. I mean, and that's kind of how people in rural areas get together is through a party network. Um, yep. And it, it, Do, uh, I, I just assume that Gaydar has always been around, but was there... Yeah. Did you guys have good gaydar back then? I did back then. Now it now it's for shit, but it was good back then. <laughs> now it's just going off all the time. No, no. Now it doesn't even work. I, I can't. You know, I've had at work several women come out to me, and I, I mean, it's just surprised the do out of me. I, I did not know that they were okay. Well, it used to be more. There used to be a, a kind of a real definite, like he's gay or he's not gay. I mean, that it was at least for me. But now mm-hmm. you're right that that line has really gotten blurred over the last few years, where men are more relaxed about you know what they say and who they party with, you know, you know, straight guys are not as intimidated to go to gay bars and, you know, it's just, it's a more relaxed environment, I guess. You know, I mean, effeminacy, I don't know how else to say it, but, but you know, to have a, a gay guy that's effeminate at one time, you know, it was just an assumption that he was gay. And I just don't believe that anymore. I think that there's a lot of guys that are at a different point on that Kinsey scale. And, you know, that, that you can't go by that. And then um, I don't know why I, I don't consider myself effeminate, but I don't know if I come across to others as being gay. I don't know. It's just it, it, it is a blurred image nowadays. So, Walter, because Walter, cause since I come from South, where where you live, and it seems like you worked your entire career in in the South. Mm-hmm. Have you ever encountered? Because I, I know you you had a really good relationship, and you're pretty open about your sexuality. Has there mm-hmm. been any? Have you have you ever run against that pink wall or that pink ceiling where you've gotten prejudice from either higher ups or other employees because of your sexuality? You know, it's really odd. I haven't. And, and especially I'm going to zero in on the higher up. I've never had a supervisor that that seemed to be a problem. You know, uh, I have to admit that I do um, look at, at human resource policies to see if they have, you know, a policy that says it doesn't matter what your lifestyle is. Um, sexual orientation, I think, is what they put in there. And so I really haven't. I mean, I know this last move that I've made to a job, I've worked with the owner of the company three other times before this time. And, and um when he called me and started talking to me about coming to work with him, you know, I just told him, I said, look, Larry, you know, I've been out. I, I'm not ready to go back into a closet. Is that going to be a problem? And he said, well, of course not. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, it's, it's, um, but I do let people know. Now, I don't, I don't hide it, but at the same time, I don't make a big deal out of it. You know, I'm not, it's just not my style, you know, to, to let everybody know that I love a man and live with a man, <laughs> you know, but they right. do find out. You don't have glow stick Fridays at your office? Oh, yeah. No, you know. no. <laughs> do you have these jobs in like four years since? I'm trying to see if there's a pattern here. Oh, 
<laughs> no, no, I, I kind of got into a, a bad habit of moving every year and a half. Um, oh, wow. In our earlier conversation, you, you had mentioned how, like, the bar scene back in the day uh, was a little bit different than it is today. Oh, gosh. Do you want to yeah. tell us about mm-hmm. that? Well, I mean, when I first came out, you know, it was during the college years, and I used to come down to, to Memphis to the bars, and there was a I think it was a blue light. It could have been a red light, like on top of a police car back then that would spin. And if you were in the bar and that light went off, it meant that the police were outside and were getting ready to come inside. And if you were dancing close to somebody, then you better back off, you know. So um, because back then it, it, it was you know a big thing with the police that they liked to raid gay bars. Later on, I mean, you know, they used to come and go all the time. Nobody would, would stop anything it was very open so. so back then what was the and, and i apologize for keep using the word back then but what was the offense other than the dancing together which seems very footloosey what what other i mean why would they raid the gay bars well it's people in the bathroom doing things they shouldn't do <laughs> you know and then the dancing i think there was probably a law here in Memphis that two people of the same sex couldn't be touching each other inside of a bar so, so more indecency laws and, rather than like underage drinking. Right. And remember, this is back in the, the days when um, Chicago was playing Call of My World. And so they would play that in the bar and would, you know, slow dancing with somebody. Does that make sense? If you know what that, that song is, um, Matt, you may not. I'm familiar with the song, but I don't know what it, I mean. What is the slow dance I, song? Right. Can you hum a oh. few bars? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. <laughs> so how, how is it now, Walter, there in Memphis? I mean, has it gotten more progressive? Well, that's. Something else I was telling Matt, you know, like, like Don and I used to go out to bars early on. I was been together for almost 24 years, and we don't go anymore. It's just not a part of our weekend activities, right? It's just kind of being old, old homebodies. Yeah, but I, I guess more than just the bar life. I mean, just gay life in general there in Memphis. I mean, because there's there are a ton of things to do outside of the bars within the gay community here, and people are fairly open about it. I mean, in, in Arizona, it's still a fairly conservative state. I just wondered mm-hmm. if, if it's, has it, do you see any kind of changes like that there in Memphis or in the South? Well, actually, I just don't, since we moved back to Memphis uh, this time, I just haven't been as connected with, with the case um activities are seen here. I know that we have like a film series during the summer of, of gay films, but we haven't been to any of those. I really, I don't know how people meet each other nowadays. In I'm sure it's an app. <laughs> Might be. <laughs> Might be. Things TC uh, tells me about the AIDS scare during the 80s. Mm-hmm. I think it was exactly 1980s, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe a little bit later. Yeah, I remember, again, back to those parties in the rural areas. I was over at a friend's house with a pool party, and I can remember us reading the newspaper about that and how petrified it made all of us. <laughs> so. Yeah. Did it seem far away uh, at first? Yeah, it did. Until later, um, the close friends uh, had contracted it, and then some died. Not everybody, but some did. It was a sad time. Yeah, yeah. I remember 
in Memphis, I, I first, had my first contact with, with guys who had been uh, diagnosed with AIDS. And mm-hmm. back, you know, back then, they were not having any kind of success at all with the, the regimen of medicines. Right. And you would, you'd see, unfortunately, you'd see people go downhill just very quickly. Right. And especially, I think you saw more people with um, the Carposi sarcoma, the the dark sores on, on their face and on their body. And I don't think you see that as much with the new medicines. Now, one of my uh, former guests on here on the podcast has worked extensively with HIV and AIDS patients for, for decades. Don was, uh, was, was great as far as giving us some information and about the advances, but there's still a long way to go. I have to get mad. What did he say was the demographic was showing the, the increase, though? Well, I thought it was more like um, cities that were dealing with the issue, it was going down, and places such as Phoenix, where they're really not dealing with the issue of HIV and STIs, which is what they call now, mm-hmm. the incidences are going up. Mm-hmm. So, well, I think I think people have more, become more relaxed with it now, too, because they know that people are surviving with the diagnosis. Right. Well, I mean, I've had several friends that been diagnosed for years. I mean, you know, like 30 years and are still kicking and going strong. Wow. It, it sounds just overall like you had a, your coming out process was really uh, not extremely difficult. I may be belittling that a little bit. At the time, I'm sure you were uh, petrified to tell your family, but it seemed like they were very uh, receptive after a very long yeah. talk with your mom. Right. <laughs> right. A long time. Um, but, it, you know, I think it was easy. You know, when you and I first started talking, I, I think I might have said that I don't think I had any fireworks or um Maybe it was a boring coming out, you know, process. But but I know I, I remember worrying about it a lot because other friends, you know, had been shunned by their family when they came out to them. But I think I really, really, really think that my parents uh, suspected long before I knew, you know, that, that I was uh, growing up that way. So you think that they kind of had a heads up and they had the conversation before you had the conversation? That was kind of the feeling I had. Yes, it's true. And um, so. but did they tell your siblings, or did you tell your siblings? Well, it's kind of interesting. That's a good question too, because my sister, I I came out to, but my brother, he's eight years younger, and I just didn't want to broach that with him quite yet. And my father did sit him down and have the big talk. So it's kind of interesting. Okay. I assume they were just like your parents. They were so no big deal. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. It was, you know, your brother likes me. <laughs> uh, just wanted you to hear it from me and not from somebody else. Give you a chance to ask questions. So that's kind of the way it went. And then I have several nephews and nieces and I saw this book in a bookstore one time. It was uh, Uncle Whatchamacallit is coming to visit. And Uncle Whatchamacallit was, was gay. And so I bought it to give to my nephews and nieces. And I didn't have to. My, my uh, brother and sister pretty much explained it to them. And they're pretty cool about it, too. <laughs> yeah, well, I have the book still, but, <laughs> but they didn't have the book, you know. All of them called Don, Uncle Don. Well, this is not Don's coming out story, but uh, you all have good relations with his family as well? Yes. Matter of fact, 
when um, we got married a couple of years ago, I guess almost three now, we we had the service over in Arkansas, and his parents live in Arkansas. And the next time we went over, his dad said, well, congratulations on y'all getting married. He said, you know, I've always considered you a part of this family. <laughs> so I thought it was pretty neat. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And it's good that they live so close. Do you, um, or do you have any opportunities to do like mentoring or anything with uh, the younger gay generation or? No, I really don't. I probably used to. I don't know. I kind of felt like a mentor to TC <laughs> during that time. <laughs> no, you um, Yeah, no, you were. You were. Yeah, yeah. Because I can remember you coming down to our apartment and I don't think we ever went to bars together. Paige and I discovered poppers. Yeah, right. Well, that was. Oh <laughs> I couldn't figure out why they kept going to the to the kitchen because I kept the poppers in the refrigerator and they're in there <laughs> taking hits <laughs> off of poppers. Yeah, I think I, yeah, I even surprised you when I knew who uh, Yvonne Elliman was from, from Jesus Christ Superstar. Matt, here's a, here's a point of interest that you can cut from the podcast, but Walt. Sure. Okay, remember the lady I pointed out to in the movie The Help? That I yeah. Said, oh, I knew. You know, so Walter introduced me to Becky, and that's who that is. Becky Fly. Becky Fly. Okay. Why would we cut that? <laughs> She's a mild yeah, celebrity. Well, well I, I just said her last name. Probably I shouldn't do that, but. She's a public Let's go for it. Yeah, she's a nice, nice lady. Used to be a school oh, teacher, yeah. too, during my Jackson days. Good friend. She was great. She was so funny. She was so funny. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 here's another part you can cut, Matt. But Walter, I remember the outrage she and David Pyron felt because fame never made it to Jackson, the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the movie, the, the movie Fame, Matt, you probably, you, Matt's never heard of it. I, I'm aware of it. You've been giving me so like okay. 13. Yeah, but I, <laughs> I, I don't remember it not coming to Jackson because, I mean, I saw oh, it. Becky was hmm. outraged because it was not an oh, an Oscar. And it did not come to Jackson, Tennessee. I remember her. Yeah. Anyway. It seemed like such a, a not a difficult coming out. So usually we ask if you would do anything different, but it seems like you kind of did it all right. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't do anything differently. Probably not spend as much time not communicating with my family afterwards, bringing right. that up a little bit, you know. Maybe even come out sooner than what I did. But I, I'm kind of, I, I believe that things happen, you know, when they're supposed to happen. So and, and It happens when you're ready. Yeah, it does. You know, there was this book that was almost like a definitive guide to the gay couple. Um, I think it was called Gay Couples. It had like different levels that you would go through. You know, level one when two guys first start in a relationship and what you can expect. And then it was like one to two years and then maybe two to four, you know, what you couple. From the rabbit years to... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, you know, people over 10 years. I mean, it was a pretty neat book and it might have had something uh, a coming out section in that book that yeah, I thought was pretty good. Do you remember what it's called? Gay Couples. Yeah. Is that what you was, said? Yeah, Gay gay Couples. I think that's what it was. Okay. Well, shoot. TC, anything else? No. I'm, anything uh, in your story that, that you want to add or you think we haven't touched upon? I can't think of anything. I'm really sorry for being so boring. <laughs> No, it really isn't. And no. I remember saying this on the phone that, that that 
it's good to have good coming out stories as well. I mean, if it's always mm-hmm. doom and gloom, why would anybody ever do it? You know, right. if there's not light at the end of the tunnel, then why? And it's good right. to hear these good stories. So be an example. I think, I think mine has been a good story. Met a lot of good people along the way, i.e. TC. <laughs> Same here. Yeah. No, I mean, I think so that you've had a great life and it's some quality so people along the way. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, all right, man. Well, I guess we can just wrap up the podcast part, but we can keep talking. Um, Walter, thank you for uh, sharing with us uh, your story and, and to be able to do this over the phone is, is really great. It's a lot easier now. TC, thank you for co-hosting here and uh, I appreciate it. Thanks to all of our listeners and we'll keep going. DW North Scottsdale employees on their new general manager, Larry. Well, I won't say he's crazy, but yes, yes, I would. Until September 30th, 2018, lease a new 2018 Jetta S automatic for $199 a month plus tax. We all chipped in and got him a cuckoo clock for his birthday. He didn't get the hint. VW North Scottsdale, your dog-friendly dealership. Get a leash on life. Scottsdale Road in the 101 and com. $999 down plus fees, 36 months, 10,000 miles per year and above average credit. Not everyone will qualify. An extra charge may be added at the end of the lease. See dealer for details. You can find new and existing episodes wherever you get your podcasts or directly at theouthouse.buzzsprout.com. One more, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Outhouse Podcast. We also have a closed Facebook group where you can talk about the show and share in community. Got a story you want to share? You can email us at theouthousepodcast at gmail.com. The Outhouse Podcast is a production of GMN Services, LLC. All content copyrighted 